You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Jesus is good, isn't he? It's amazing what happens when you declare that he is good. You know, in worship, we're declaring over and over. You, you could easily think, you're like, what? Are there are no more lyrics to that song? Is it just the bridge and what they started out with? If you've been here for very long, you've been in worship cultures for very long where they value the presence of God, you realize that when, when things are being declared, there's a intentionality that's happening through the team that flows over into us and we're actually making declarations despite our season and and this season is with the I mean having no idea what's happening around the world and in our own nation and times that none of us have ever faced before declaring the goodness of God actually brings me into the reality of him being good and then I'm able to see my situation, my circumstances, what's going on in my nation uh, through his eyes. And I'm able to re- represent or represent him to the world around me. And that's what it's, I mean, that's what we're on the earth for, right? It's so easy sometimes to get caught up. And me, me I'm, I'm going to take this off. I'm going to be... Uh... <laughs> <clears throat> so it's, it's so easy for me to get caught up at times in the, in the stuff that we get to enjoy in our nation. In other nations, they don't get to enjoy that as much. There are some where, where that's, they're, they're blessed. They live in basically first world nations. and We are blessed to live in the country we live, we live in. It's the greatest nation that there is in the world. Um, I, I'm not looking for your agreement. I'm just making a statement. We, we have the power to choose the life we want in this country. If you want to work a nine-to-five, if you uh, want to be an entrepreneur and start your own business, if, what, whatever you want, essentially you can choose it here and come from another nation and, and come here. And, and our country was built on the backs of immigrants that, that chose what we call today the American dream. And uh, so, I, I mean, it's... But in all of that, I can get caught up in thinking that life is about something that it's really not, that, that's important, but it's not most important. The most important thing I can do is represent him on the earth as the good father that he is. And I realize as much as anybody the struggle that that can be at times when I don't see good things happening in my life, or in my job situation, or in my family, or people are sick, or you know, all this stuff that's happening, you're declaring healing and it's not taking place in the way that you hope for it to. Um, and all the things that we can focus on. Uh, so I, I know, I know the struggle of that. But on the flip side of it, I also know for over the last seven years that we've declared the goodness of God in every season, despite loss, despite heartbreak and brokenness and going through cra- crazy stuff that I would never want to go through again. Uh, and dec- when I've declared that he's good, I've, I've watched his goodness manifest in my own life. May not be in a material thing that I can tangibly touch or, or feel or, or, or be able to use, but it always manifests in the form of his love. And <laughs> it always manifests in the form of his love. That when I'll, I'll declare he's good, what I'm doing is I am inviting his love into my life because I'm coming into the reality of who he showed me he is through Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 18 says that Jesus declared the Father to us. His life declared the Father. He said it in words, but he lived a life that showed us the goodness of God. And that's why the issue settled. For me, excuse me, I don't know what season of life you're in, and this takes this takes time. And in every season, this can be challenged. 
But the deeper you go in that him, him being a good father, the, the less you'll think about it when you face challenges. But when Jesus paid the price for, for my life, it was he's no longer on trial for being good. Him being good is not up for debate with me. Between me and God or even you and I. Doesn't mean I won't talk about it. Doesn't mean I won't listen. Doesn't mean I don't understand. Because like I said, it took us some, it took us some time to get here. It's like uh, being focused on what's, what's most important in my life. There's a lot of important things and then there's the thing that's most important. It's Him knowing Him as He is. And that becoming my foundation. That's what, it's, that's what it's all about. I've made it about a lot of different things. And they were, they were good things. And not all of them. <laughs> some of them were. <laughs> some of them were good, but some of them not so much. But I've made it, even in this season, about a lot of good things. And I've found out that they don't matter most. And so I want to continue to talk to you about today uh, the personal revival that I started talking about three weeks ago. And the goodness of God was just a, a good segue into what we're, what we're talking about. So personal, who, who's, who's ever heard the word revival in, in a church setting? Uh, you've probably been to meetings that they called revival meetings. There may or may not have been any form of revival in those meetings, right? I've preached some revival meetings where there was no revival happening. <laughs> But it was just, it's, it's, we need to, in, in America, we need to name things, right? And, and naming things can be good. But when the disciples were seeing thousands come to the Lord, and, and, the, and there was, it says, the Bible says that there were people added to the church daily. That means there were people daily that were giving their lives to Jesus. When they were seeing that, signs, wonders, and miracles were happening. You know what they called it? Life. <laughs> called it normal life. <laughs> now when the Spirit of God moves in our nation, we call it revival. It's unfortunate, but it's, it's true. I, I think that there's a, there's a reality check for, for the body of Christ in saying that it's not necessary to name something, it's necessary to live something. <laughs> it's not that naming things are, are bad, but when I put all the emphasis on this move of God that's happening then I've, I've focused on God moving in a place instead of God moving in a person. Yeah, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the person. I can uh, equate God to being in Brownsville or in you know, Pensacola or in, in South America where in Argentina where he's been moving for, for 20 years or in, in Toronto or out in Reading. Or all those places are amazing, right? And some of those places are teaching what I'm talking about today. We've gleaned from... In that it's not about a location, but it's actually about my personal relationship with God. And there's only one thing, only one type of Christian I was created to be. Madly in love with Him and with people. That's it. That's it. There, there aren't different, I talked about it on Wednesday night, there aren't different levels of Christians. There, there are no low-level Christians. Like, this is... If you need to go back and listen to Wednesday night, I think it would benefit you, is that one of the keys to me being in personal revival, let me define revival for you, for, for at least this is the way I see it. There's some great definitions out there of it, and I like, I think I like them all, but revival looks like love on fire and deeply connected to Jesus and to one another. It's based out of intimacy and relationship. And when I have intimate relationship with him, that's a deep connection, it will result in deep connections around me. I'm connected heart to heart to the Father. I'll get connected heart to heart to people. Maybe not a bunch of people, but I will have deep connections with some people. Because I can always measure in the natural what's happening in the supernatural. I, let me say it this way. I can measure... What I believe is happening in the supernatural by relationship with Jesus by my life around me in the natural. If I say that I'm madly in love with Jesus and I'm on fire for him, then it will result, you'll see it made manifest around me. 
It will become visible. And so revival looks like me on fire and in love. In love and on fire, however you want to say it. His fiery love, the reason that I say fire is because when I think of fire, I think of, I think of passion. I think of passion for God. Now, your passion for God may look different than mine because of your personality type. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be portrayed in demonstrative behavior. I'm not saying that you've got to jump and run and shout and worship, even though I like all that. I'm, 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 pretty, I'm, I'm pretty passionate. When you have an acoustic set most of the time and no drummer, it can be a little harder to get hype than other times. But I, I managed to, you just start speaking truth to me in, in worship, and I'm going to get so excited that I'm ready to bust. Uh, because it's just, you know, it does something to you. When truth is spoken to you, you don't have to be singing. You just start talking about truth, and I'm, I'm fired up. And that's just, it's just how, it's how I am. You know, I'm, I'm free to be me, and I, I love it. And so being free to be ourselves in, the, in, in personal revival is, is vitally important. But there's, there's keys that, that happen in, in personal revival that um, I talked about it two Sundays ago and I started off with that we live uh, in a time where it's easy to be distracted by all types of things. And the busier you are, uh, it, busy's become uh, a lifestyle. It's like a contest. Who's the busiest? You ask somebody how you're doing, you're like, busy. But really, not, that's not how you're doing. <laughs> that's maybe what your life looks like, but it's not, a, it's, it's, not a, it's, you know, it's not what's going on in your life. It's not how you're doing. Busyness for business sake is not spiritual. There are some seasons that are busier than others. But I get to choose what I do with my time. The moment that I think I don't get to choose to do, with my, do what I want with my time, then I've become a slave to something I was never meant to, to be a slave to. It's the same way as if I think God has to tell me what to do every moment of every day, then I still have a slave mentality, not a son or daughter mentality. God doesn't want to have to tell me what to do. It doesn't mean, this is what I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying that we don't seek wisdom and guidance and... Uh, that I'm not saying there's not wisdom in a multitude of counselors, as it says in Proverbs. It's important to ask advice of people that are uh, deeply connected to God and lead their life by love. That, that is important. But God's not, you know, it's like, should I stop at this gas station or the next one? Should I wear this black shirt today or the other black shirt that I have? Or the gray one or the black one or the gray and black one? I'm just giving you a glimpse, glimpse into my wardrobe. <laughs> we had a, a leadership Christmas party last night. And end of year, we, we get together and we celebrate all the things that God has done this year and so many testimonies. And uh, they're like, you're, you know, I had a string of lights around my neck that you could light up. And I had a navy blue shirt with gray on it. And they're like, you're festive, you know, somewhat sarcastically, playfully. And I, I'm thinking, I really don't have any shirts that are festive. <laughs> I'm like, it's just the color scheme that I, I live by. Blue, uh, gray, black. <clears throat> so God's not, God's not wanting to make, just like as parents, some of us that have raised kids that are out of the house now, you, you hopefully don't want them calling you when they're 30 and asking you uh, if they should buy this car, if they should take the, you know, this job. They should, you, if, if you and I have done our jobs properly, you've made them to be powerful people. Now, when you love your parents, sometimes you'll call them just to ask them for advice when you don't actually need it. And you, and you know what you want to do, but you just want to ask them because you love them and you want to invite the conversation. It's what, FYI, it's what good kids do. <laughs> so God's not trying to, he's not, con, he's not controlling. And, and the reason that I'm bringing this up is because there's a, a very important part of, of what personal revival looks like. 
I've talked about what open heavens are. And the basis of it is my belief system is the biggest part of personal revival. I, I talked about, uh, let, let me get back to this. So undistracted time with Jesus on a daily basis. That's why I talked about the busyness of our schedule. Undistracted time in our personal relationship with Jesus every single day. Am I, am I disciplining myself to spend undistracted and also time with him where there's no agenda? I'm just hanging out with him. I'm just letting him love me and loving on him. Out of that place, when I, when I do that, there should, there should be a result that takes place, which is better beliefs. You know, so I talked about open heavens, that we have access to heaven right now. We're not trying... To, Jesus didn't die for us to get to a place only. I know that's part of the package deal. It's the best part of the deal. But he also died for us to be able to release heaven into the earth right here and now. We're not victims of waiting on heaven. We're powerful sons and daughters that get to release heaven. Because if I'm just waiting on heaven, then I think that I just, you know, everything's just going to be bad till I get there. And I'm begging God to come back or get me out of this thing so I can escape. I'm not saying I don't long to be there as much or more than I, I long to be here. But while I'm here, I want to do what he's created me for. And I believe it always looks like love. So then Wednesday night, I also talked about um, what it looks like to see myself through the Father's eyes. And that comes through the undistracted time with Him. It comes through the undistracted time with Him, and it results in, or should result in, better beliefs. It's all about better beliefs. It's, it's always, it's, Jesus is always the answer, and it's always about what I believe. All right. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so I'll continue the series today. And some of that stuff was just a precursor of, of what's... I didn't ever intend for this to be a series, by the way. I just... It's happening in my life. I was vulnerable with you guys three Sundays ago when I talked about how distracted I was with good things in this season of my life. Good things, all good things, all good, you know, Lindsay and I are into a season of, of just, you know, God's just really pouring out His goodness, and it is manifesting in the natural in a time where you would think it was unlikely to happen, but we live according to a different kingdom and according to a different economy. <laughs> Thank God, right? It's amazing. His, his blessing is made manifest. It's, it's not dependent on on how it's going in, in the world or what's happening on Wall Street. <laughs> it's good news, right? <laughs> I thought you'd be happier about it. But we're in a season of, of blessing, and um, <laughs> we're in a season of blessing, and, and we, we actually maintain this hope and joy in every season. So <laughs> it'd be easy to think that you don't, <laughs> I'm not saying I don't have moments. <clears throat> you know, maintaining hope and joy in every season is something as part of our lives, but. I, w I was telling everybody when I was saying I was being distracted with good things is that I hadn't been prioritizing as much undistracted time with Jesus as I, as I want or need. And you may think that's hard in the position that I'm in, but I, I heard a preacher say uh, years ago that was a, a traveling evangelist, and he said, I have to take, sometimes I have to get away on for two and three days by myself just to be able to spend time in prayer. <laughs> and I knew what he was saying, is that life can get so busy is that I'm not prior. Now, I don't necessarily agree with the statement, but I understand what he was saying. It's not going to happen to me, but he was saying, I, I need to prioritize these things. So I'm getting back to the, the heart of the matter, and it's always been about and always will be about me being in love and on fire for him. Does this make sense so far? You guys okay? Okay. I didn't know if you were just sleepy or what was going on. But Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I have a long list of favorite verses. But this is there. Probably in the top 10. And, and who any 
person who's been in Pentecost for very long or the power of God moving, this has become one of your go-to verses, right? I want to use it a little bit different today, though. Hopefully that's okay with you guys. And so this is Jesus' last conversation that he's having with the disciples before he ascends into heaven after he'd been on the earth for 40 days after resurrection. There's the gospel in the nutshell. Died, rose after three days, walked the earth for 40 days, has this conversation with the disciples, and then takes off, right? So I'm thinking that if it's the last conversation that he had, I probably ought to pay close attention to it because he could have covered a lot of things. But he wanted to emphasize this. And it says, you shall... So the disciples had just said, hey, when, when's the... What, basically, when's God going to establish the kingdom on earth? That's essentially what they were saying. When, you know, they're... Jesus deflects their question with, it's, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that are in the Father's hand or in His care. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus ascends to heaven. I don't, is that, that must be the heading of that particular Bible. <laughs> That's the truth, but I don't know if that's the word. But, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses uh, all throughout the world. So that power is, is, is miracle. It's miracle working power. You and I have the power to, to work miracles. It's on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit uh, is what we call him. He came into you and hopefully upon you. When you gave your life to Jesus. I know he came into you, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit results in his power coming upon me. And if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit and don't know what that is, there'll be people up here to pray at the end and you can ask one of them and they would be glad to help you in uh, figuring out whether or not that's happened to you or uh, just getting you re-immersed in the Spirit of God. And so we know it's power to work miracles. We know it's power to see people set free. We know it's power to live a life that Jesus made an example of and then made available to me through my relationship. <laughs> but it's also power to choose on a daily basis the things that God asks of me. The power of choice. One of the most important things in the Christian life. I hope to be able to lay out for you today why it's most, one of the most important things and, and what it will help me with. Because when I believe I don't have power to choose in my Christian life, I still carry some sort of victim mentality. Let me say it like this. I had no intention of talking about victim mentality, even though it goes with this. <clears throat> we live in a time where it's celebrated. I just want to be careful. <clears throat> We live in a time where their celebration of feeling sorry for the person that seems to be a victim of their circumstance, their situation, their upbringing, <clears throat> their neighborhood, their race, whatever it is. And I'm not speaking out against sympathy and definitely not against compassion. Sympathy just feels sorry for people actually doesn't do anything for them. And it looks spiritual on the outside. Uh, that has the appearance of being spiritual, but it's not spiritual at all. Compassion has a, a deep longing on the inside for that situation to change and realize that I actually am in relationship with the one that can do something about it. And by, by doing something about it, I mean that I can empower the person in front of me to lo no longer believe that they're a victim of their circumstance, their situation, their upbringing, their lack of education, their race, their neighborhood, whatever it is. Empowerment is the kingdom way. Does that make sense? 
Victim mentality is celebrated because of the lack of kingdom mentality that empowers people instead of allows them to continue to be a victim in their circumstance. Doesn't mean I don't get down and weep with those who weep and, and, and really have compassion and hug people and cry with them when they have lost and they've suffered persecution in ways that they shouldn't because of what they've chosen in life or the way that they think they're created or because the color of their skin, right? It, do, it doesn't mean that I don't have compassion in those situations, but my responsibility is not only to cry with them, but at the same time, when appropriate, to speak truth into their life that will say, you don't, you don't have to be a victim anymore. You don't have to. <laughs> I won't be a victim of a political system and who's president. Right? It may affect my life in some way, but the, the early church thrived under the dictatorship of Nero, who was putting Christians on stakes and lighting the road with them, putting them in coliseums and putting them against each other in fighting to the death and then them both being killed or maimed by lions and right you you're with me i won't fall victim to a mentality that 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 people of a nation carry just because it's blasted on social media right but it takes intentionality not to come under that stuff i realize that when th that all that stuff is in the airwaves, if I'm constantly bombarding myself with it, that will begin to weigh me down. So I take in as much as I know is, is good for me. Information is, is not power. It's not power. The more information... We live in a generation where, where it says that the, the more information I have... Uh, the more knowledge I have of, of what's happening, then, then the more powerful I am. I'm not saying don't be informed. I'm telling you that that's not power. Love is. Be informed on political issues. Know what's going on to the extent that you believe you're supposed to. And then bring change through the empowerment that God is empowering each one of us with. Because revival, my personal revival, when I'm in that relationship with Jesus, it will result in change around me, whether I'm trying to or not. I'm going to be able to be intentional about empowering people. But sometimes first I have to come out of some of the, the victim stuff that I've, I've carried. And I know as, as well as anybody, it used to always be everybody else's fault when something happened to me. It was a result. I was, I was damaged goods from an early age and thought that everything that happened to me was a result of somebody else. I'm not saying people didn't make poor choices. <clears throat> I'm not saying that I didn't get hurt by some of that. But then when I became of age to make choices, I made a bunch of poor ones. And it resulted in me being a victim to my circumstances and my situation. And when I came into the kingdom, I brought that stuff with me. Because Jesus didn't tell me to check my bags at the door. Right? He's like, come in with all your junk. You ain't got to wait till you get cleaned up. Just come on in and we'll work this stuff out. So for years now, I've been working this stuff out. An encounter with God should result in my, me thinking differently. So when I have something that appears like an encounter with God... The, 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 reason, the, the how or the, the result of it should be my mind changing, me thinking differently, my kingdom mentality going to a new level. It changes the way I think. <laughs> Is that better? <laughs> when I encounter God, He changes the way that I think because He changes my perspective. My thoughts about things result in my view on people in places which also result in my, my choices. But God's changing that in all of us. Isn't that good news? 
If there are ways that we thought at the beginning of this year that we don't think now. There's choices that we made at the beginning of this year that we don't make now. They may still be thoughts, but they're, they're no longer choices. We realize there's transformation of the mind happening. And so we have the greatest power in the world inside of us. And if I don't realize that that miracle working power is also a power to choose on a daily basis, then I won't be able to, my, my life won't look like love like it's supposed to. Because being on fire and in love with Jesus doesn't look like me just telling everybody about Jesus. It looks like me loving the next person that's in front of me. Jesus may get worked into the conversation, but love definitely will. <laughs> because we say here that love looks like something. All right? Love looks like something. So here's some more scripture for you. 2 Timothy 1.7 in the Passion Translation says, For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. That's good, isn't it? For the Spirit of God gives us self-control. In the, in the NASB in 2 Timothy 1.7, instead of self-control, the, uh, it uses the word self-discipline. Okay, Galatians 5. Let me give you another scripture. Galatians 5, verse 22 through 23. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And, and Paul writes, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. That's the fruit, of the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. We have access to all those things at any given moment. I highlighted self-control, but don't bypass all the other ones. They're really good too. <laughs> I can choose love. I can choose joy. I can choose peace. I can choose to be faithful, just like I can choose to have self-control. I can choose to be gentle. It's not a personality or a character defect that I'm the opposite of any of those. I'm just not somebody who loves well. I'm just not very joyful. I just don't have a lot of hope. I'm a realist. That's one of my favorite ones. That's actually an excuse to be a pessimist. <laughs> Isn't it great that you're finding that out? If you didn't already know, it's just an excuse to be pessimistic. Well, I'm just, a, I'm just a realist. That's just seeing things from a natural standpoint, which is not doing you or anybody else any good. But it is an excuse to stay in hopelessness, maybe because of disappointment. And so I need to do something about the disappointments I've had in my life. And we've all had them. And we all will have more of them. It's important that I know what to do with them. Because it will keep me hopeful. Because I can choose hope or I can choose disappointment. I'm not a victim to my disappointments either. Even though they hurt me, even though they, 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 some of them may have shaken my faith, even some of you may be in a place where you're not really sure even about God or that He is the loving God that I say He is or, is, or that He's good. Right? I know what it's like to be in that place. but I have the power to choose what to do about it. I don't have to stay there. And so I'm working through this, and God is more compassionate than I could ever even fathom being. And He'll walk me through that. He'll walk with me through that. And He can take all my anger and all my, you know, He, he doesn't, He's not, He's not, he, he can't be offended. Just know that. If He could be, I would have done it by now. <laughs> Long before I was a Christian. You just can't offend him. Love is unoffendable. Impossible to offend. That's good news. So we have the, the power to choose these things in, in a daily, on a daily basis in our life. And so I, I, I pose the question to you, can I, choose, can I choose personal revival? Can I choose to be in revival on a daily basis? Absolutely. We have a, a dear friend and who's a, a, a dear friend of mine and spiritual father to me, Dave Knoll. And he told me years ago, 
He said, why don't we stop praying for revival and just have one? <laughs> he wasn't saying don't pray for revival, but he was, he was saying that Jesus has already released everything from the point of the cross over 2,000 years ago that we need to live in personal revival. He doesn't need to do another thing. When he said it was finished, that, those words, that statement echoes throughout time and will continue to and, and is declared over every single person. It is finished. And when I get the revelation of that, I realize that I can choose to live in the things that Jesus lived in while he was on planet earth because he was man full of the spirit of God and not walking the earth as God. That's amazing. That set me free. Because if I thought he did it as God, then I, I can't even touch it. Yes, he was fully God and fully man at the same time. And that's like, I know, hard to comprehend. But I choose through the Bible to see the truth of what the scriptures say. Jesus chose to be obedient. He argues with John the Baptist about John the Baptist baptizing him. John's like, nah, you should be baptizing me. Jesus is like, look, dude, just let this be. Like this is, it's, you know, I know he didn't say dude, but it's, it's worth improvising. And it's, he's like, just, we need to be obedient to the scriptures. He chooses an act of obedience. And when he gets baptized, we see in Matthew 3, that the heavens open, the Spirit of God comes upon him. And the Father speaks something very important in that moment. And he says, this is my beloved Son in whom I delight. We call that the baptism of love. It was the affirmation of a father that also echoes over every son and daughter that there ever has been and ever will be. That you don't have to do anything to earn my love. You actually can't. And you also can't do anything to deplete it or cause him to love you less. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. It's that simple. Jesus' life from that point forward, we see, changed the world around him everywhere he went. I, I would challenge us in saying that I believe that it was that single act of obedience that resulted in the baptism of love or the affirmation of the Father, whatever you want to call it, that caused him to live a life from love and not for love, which resulted in personal revival, which resulted in a literal revival everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, people were healed, delivered, believed in him. Food was multiplied. Miracles were happening everywhere. <clears throat> he did it effortlessly, and I believe he did it because he lived in that place of love. He knew the Father loved him. He knew it beyond anything else that he knew, and he showed us a key to our own personal revival in that. That it's not complicated. It's not overly complicated. I love books that got steps in them and eight steps to a better you and all those things. And those are good principles to live by. And those can help our lives. But I like this one simple step of allowing the Father to love me. I'm not saying don't read books that got steps in them, okay? Don't. Sometimes if somebody's got a little influence, you're like, you're like, both got three steps to better you. Not reading that. Tony said it's bad. <clears throat> I'm not saying that. <laughs> There's lots of good books out there. I'm saying that all the books in the world, if I don't allow him to love me, will not result in what I hope for. Because the Christian life is not about me just having a good life on planet earth. That may be a by blessing as a byproduct. Doesn't always look the same though. <laughs> Me being blessed here doesn't look like 
the blessing of the Lord in, in some Haitian's life that's got nothing. And they probably got more hope and joy than I do. <clears throat> so I'm not saying it's not about stuff, and I'm not saying that it is. <laughs> Just covering all my bases. But the normal Christian life in America is changing. And I felt like I heard the Lord say this when we were in worship. Is that those, those people that allow me to love them will love well and will lead the way in what I'm doing in the earth today. It's good, isn't it? Those people who allow me to love them will love well and will lead will lead. In the earth, what I'm doing today will lead the way in what I'm doing in the earth today. Love is coming to the forefront of everything. And he's bringing us back to the basics of what it's always been about. None of these things I'm going to mention are bad, but it's not about big buildings or programs or how much stuff I can acquire. It's, it's not about my success, even though God cares about that. It's not about what kingdom I build while I'm here, unless it is. Right? I, I just I feel like he's he's just stripping away things that we we've thought it was about. The first thing it's about, if it's about love, is it's about family. I love what Sean Bowles defines revival as is family on fire and connected. It's true. It's about relationship. But I've found this out, that if I don't allow him to love me, I'm probably not going to, I'm not going to manifest healthy family around me. I'm going to try real hard. But I believe that all of us have come from at least a tiny bit of dysfunction. <laughs> right? Not necessarily intentionally. But just every single parent, being a parent, I know you do the best you can with what you know how. And then 10 years later or five years later, you look back and be like, eh, cringe a little bit. And you're like, oh, I'd probably do that different. And hopefully some young parent asks you for your advice in parenting. And then you impart wisdom and knowledge to them that they don't have to recreate the wheel. And they can learn from our mistakes. So in the, in the midst of allowing him to, to love me, there's things that come to the surface that oppose this one very important truth. <clears throat> that I'm worth it. <clears throat> Let me paint you a picture. There's people in our lives that we have a hard time loving. Probably the ones that are the closest to us or that are related to us at times, right? Maybe on both sides. <laughs> but if there's somebody in my life that I feel like I have a hard time loving, it could be because I'm not allowing him to love me. Because he doesn't say that about me. I've never been hard to love to the Father. And if it's not in him, it's not supposed to be in me. <clears throat> and if that convicts me, that's okay. It's just an invitation into a place of allowing him to love me. But first, I have to believe that I'm actually worth it. So let me give you some, some practical principles to apply this. Because this is, <clears throat> excuse me, I believe this is the key to, to living in personal revival every day of our lives and will continue to go higher and higher and higher in our thinking and in our influence because of this one very important yet simple truth. You and I were created not to just live in, in the mundane and, and be steady. I like steady. It beats going backwards. <laughs> but ascending, ascension, going higher, is the goal for our, our lives as Christians. And if I'm not in that place right now, that's okay. 
there are practical principles, and I believe if we start right here, this will, this will be a key that will unlock things to us. <clears throat> you could think, well, it can't be that simple. It really is. <laughs> he loved me into wholeness. You know, you know my story, right? Addicted, suicidal, schizophrenic, just whacked out in a real bad way. Had a real bright future. And chose a different path. And I went into a lot of dark places and looked for love. I didn't know I was looking for love. But then love found me. <laughs> found me in an 8 by 10 room and he crashed in on me. He didn't ask me any questions. He didn't point out any of my flaws. I was well aware of all of them. They were glaring issues in my life. And there were other issues that weren't glaring, but they were obvious to everybody else. <laughs> but I was well aware of all the glaring ones. <laughs> they were noteworthy. And I, I didn't hear any, any of that from him. He just came in and showed me he loved me. He, I can't, he didn't say it to me. He come in into an 8 by 10 room and I felt and experienced something that I had never experienced before. It was, it was, I had experienced a level of it through a few people in my life, but this was unconditional love that I, I did not know. And in that moment, what, what was a crazed mind became sound. What was addiction left and has never come back, not even the desire. It's like there was comfort, there was peace, there was things that I, didn't, I was not familiar with. I didn't know what comfort was. I didn't know what peace was. I didn't know any of that stuff. And so in a moment, love came in and just, and just did what love does. He loved me. And it was an invitation into a lifestyle of wholeness. And so he does that to every person. No one can come to the Father unless they're first drawn. Love draws us. Reckless love. They'll kick down every door. Light every bit of darkness, climb up to the highest mountain. It will go into all the crazy places that you can think of that you may have been or in the places that may not look crazy where people are just as lost. Whether it's the CEO or the drug addict, if they're lost, they're just lost, right? If they don't know love, they just don't know love. <clears throat> And so that invitation into a lifestyle was God showing he, he loved me in a moment. And he healed me and he set me free and all those things. But there was one very important thing that I did not believe. I did not believe that I was worth that love even though he, he set me free. I did not believe. I, let me say this. I believed I was, I was worthy of a certain level of love, but it wasn't very much. It was just a little bit. And so I only let him love me as much as I thought I was worth. And that resulted in me loving the people around me as much as I thought I was worth. Because the Bible says, love, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if I can't love that family member well, or I'm not, or that friend or that coworker, this could be the issue. I, 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 I don't want to guarantee it, but I, I'd, I'd say it's about 99% sure that this could be the issue. So these are practical principles, things that I choose daily to, to stoke the fire. <clears throat> I choose to take undistracted time and, and come in and away from my phone, away from everything, and I just say, here I am, Father, for you to love. It's deep, isn't it? <laughs> you were waiting for more. No, you just come in and I just come in, I'll sit down. I'll be in my car, wherever, a couple times a day, and I'll say, here I am. Here I am, Papa, for you to love. And I just let him love me. And I make this declaration because in those, that was, that right there felt so incredibly selfish, even as somewhat mature Christian, I felt like this is the most selfish thing in the world. I'm, I've got to be praying for change in the world. I need to be praying for the nations. I need to be praying for my neighbor. I need to be praying for myself. I need to, you know, I need to pray, you know, fi I need finances. I got all these lists of worries. I know none of you guys worry, but I had a list of worries. And, and I thought I need to be doing something. 
And the father was reassuring me, you're doing the most important thing you can do. And so that, that, that's literally, I fought through the feeling of selfishness, and then what I faced was the lies that said, I'm, oh, oh, this is really uncomfortable. He's like, you know why? Because you don't believe that you're worth my love fully. And so I started to make a declaration because that lie came up. And there's different reasons. And when you, when you have a lie come up in those moments, be courageous enough, which all of you are, to ask where it came from and confront it. Confront the lie. Because the truth's already there. Your worth is love. He said, how do you know that? Because he sent Jesus. Done deal. So it's John 3.16. I mean, it, it's, it's the gospel. And so when that lie comes up, confront it and make a declaration that replaces that, that lie with truth. And this is the declaration I make. I'm worthy to receive all the Father's love and His blessings today. I am worthy to receive the Father's love, all of it, and His blessing today. Some of you, it makes you uncomfortable already, doesn't it? It's like, I don't know about this. That's okay. That's a good thing. When I feel... When I feel uncomfortable in a moment, when I'm spending time in God's presence, there's a reason for that. And he's inviting us into a higher place of thinking. And so I'm, I'm, I'm choosing daily to let him love me. I'm confronting the lies. Uh, I'm coming into agreement with the truth. And then I'm hanging out with people. I'm choosing to hang out with people that are living this principle out in their lives. 2 Samuel 23, David's got these, it's entitled David's Mighty Men. Verse 8 through 20, verse 8 through 38. In 2 Samuel 23, David's got mighty men that kill, and there were other ones that killed giants. And all of them were incredible, insane warriors. Literal warriors. Killing hundreds of people, one of them at a, at a time we equate it to the fact that they hung out with David. You ever heard this term, if you want to be a giant slayer, you'll hang out with giant slayers? What do I want to be like? I'll choose to hang out with those people. Doesn't mean I don't hang out with people that are still need Jesus, need love, family, all that stuff, but I'll limit my time with them depending on what I feel like I'm supposed to spend with them and how much it's impacting me versus me impacting them. Go out, have fun, love people, right? They begin to influence us more than we're influencing them, and it's not good. It's time to have boundaries. Boundaries are healthy. So I, I actually get around people that are allowing the Father to love them. They're living this principle out. And how do I know that? Because they love people well. Very well. And so I'm, I'm, get, I'm gathering, I'm praying, I'm praying for people like that in my life. That's what we do as a, as a team. We're, we're doing that with one another, but we have other people that are living this principle out, and we say, God, I want, I want somebody like that in my life. Because it doesn't mean I'm going to get access to every person's life that I want. You know, some of you probably want access to Bill Johnson's life, but you're never going to have coffee with him, right? It's probably, you, but you know what you can do. You can read one of his books. <laughs> Right? Get what you can. Don't pay so much attention to the person that seems to have the, the big name, even though we honor them, and lose sight of the person that's right around you that does it. Familiarity is one of our greatest enemies. I get familiar with the person around me, and then I lose sight of the way that they're living their life that's profound, and they're loving people well, or even the anointing that's on their life that's incredible. And I think, well, they're just this to me. <clears throat> so I choose the people that I'm living, that I'm around on a daily basis. I choose these things. I, re I remember that even when life seems out of control, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray here in just a second. I just want to wrap up with this. When, even when life seems chaotic and out of control and crazy busy, that I get to choose what I do with my time. I get to choose if I live undistracted and shut my phone off for an hour. Some of us remember a time when somebody couldn't reach you unless 
unless you, they left a, vo- a, a message on your answering machine. Some of you never even seen one of those. You know what a voicemail is, but an answering machine, not so much. And then it was the pager, and then I had to stop at a payphone. To... <laughs> they don't have those anymore either. <laughs> Rarely. Somebody not being able to reach you for an hour or two is not a bad thing. Being connected can be good and bad at the same time. Depends on how much I'm letting it run my life. When I feel so connected to this phone, it's over there. When I feel so connected to it that I feel like somebody needs to reach me in any given moment, I'm letting it run my life. I know it may be expensive depending on what phone you got, but it really shouldn't be that powerful. And I know what it's like. So I get to choose what I do with my time on a daily basis. I spend undistracted time with him. I allow him to love me. I confront lies by choosing to, to know that there's, there's a greater reality for me and that it's, I'm worth his love. And then I, I get around people that are living the same way. If you would, stand with me. Why do, we, why do we allow him to, to love us? Just to, to highlight this one simple truth again. Why do I allow him to love me? Because I'm worth it. Because I'm worth it. And it results in me looking like love. Personal revival It will look like miracles. It will look like hearing God's voice. It will look like people getting set free. It will look like all those things that we love. But if it doesn't look like love, then it's not worth it. It's not what it's really about. And so he's taking us back. And I'm grateful that that I get to be in the room and online with people who are getting this principle. We're getting this. We're realizing we're worth his love. And because of it, it's resulting in your lives. It's producing in your lives fruit that's changing people around you. As it's changing us, it's great. And so this is what we're going to do. Do this simple exercise. These next few minutes. And I just want us to allow him to love us. no matter how uncomfortable we may get, no matter what it may or may not feel like. I feel like there's some of us that are coming up with a list of excuses already of why you shouldn't love me well, of why Jesus shouldn't love you well. Your list can't be long enough to make that true. I know I'm in a room with world changers, but I'm also in a room with some of us that have done some pretty horrific things that we're not proud of. But I found out that he didn't even give it a second thought. (laughs) He he, He wasn't concerned about the years I didn't believe in him, that I denounced him, that I gave him the finger. He didn't Quite literally, he, didn't, he, didn't, he never mentioned any of that to me. It wasn't his focal point. Love misses the things we focus on. And when we let him love us, it begins to help us focus on the things that love focuses on. It's beautiful. And so Holy Spirit, we just ask that you come in this moment. Better yet, Father... We just ask that you would wrap your arms around every person watching and every person here, me included, in this moment. And we just, here we are for you to love. Just let you love us right now. Let you love us right now. Let you love us right now. Thank you. Thank you for your love saturating every aspect of our lives. 
Thank you. I pray every stop sign that's kept your love out, every roadblock, every lie, everything that opposes our worth would gently be taken down right now by your love. you'd emphasize this truth over and over again to us that we're worth it. We're worth it. We're worth it. Jesus' blood declares we're worth it. Jesus' resurrection declares we're worth it. We receive your love. We're worthy. Yeah, I just want you to declare this with me. I am worthy to receive your love. Let's try it again. I, I know sometimes it's, it's, I know, I know. I am worthy to receive your love, Jesus. One more time. I am worthy to receive your love, Jesus. Thank you. Father, we thank you that you're showing us in deeper, more intimate ways that we're worth your love. We thank you that you're bringing us back to the basics, that you're removing things that are distracting us and helping us to choose helping us to tap tap into the power that we have to choose. Choose to allow you to love us. Thank you that you gave us choice. Mm, Thank you. Thank you that it's all because you chose us before the foundation of the world. You chose us chose us. I pray every person right now would that that truth would begin to sink in to the foundation of who we are. That you chose us. That you love us. That you are crazy about us. That you're removing the limitations off of the way we've been able to love people as we allow you to love us. Every block, everything that's felt like a restriction, every relationships we've felt like we've lacked love, I thank you that all that's changing as we just sit with you and allow you to love on us. I thank you that this is going to be the most transformational end of year that we've ever had. I thank you that there is going to be an expedited process of mind renewal over these next days until the beginning of the year, and that it's going to launch us into a year like we've never had before personally and corporately, and I believe as a nation too. I thank you that your bride, your body is arising and shining through this reality of of who we are. Help us to stay, stay low, to humble ourselves before you as we spend time with you and learn to enjoy you in the busyness of life, that our undistracted time would result in us allowing you to love us every moment of every day, that our undistracted time with you would result in a lifestyle of looks like love in everything that we do, that we would portray you and we would release your love into the earth and and what may even seem like mundane things in our jobs and our hobbies and in events that we get to attend over Christmas with family or even if it's virtually, I thank you that your love is going to deeper levels in our foundation and it's going to result in a greater release of your love through us. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thanks for being such a good dad. In Jesus' name.
get the prayer people to come, prayer servants, if y'all would come, please, up here. And if you need prayer for any of this stuff today that I talked about, if you're, you're like, hey, I need somebody to pray through this with me, there's, there's a lot of power in agreement. When you're agreeing in prayer with somebody who's, who's like has faith and you feel like you don't even have much of the time, there's so much power in that. Or maybe you both only got a little bit of faith. It still equals a whole lot. <laughs> it's just power in agreement. If you got something you're dealing with, issues in your body, physical healing, you got a family member that's dealing with sickness right now or COVID, friend, come get prayer. We're seeing people recover immediately from this stuff and close to immediately not having any effects on them at all I know that's a thought in a lot of your minds right now it's okay Jesus is still in the business of working miracles yeah I felt like at the beginning I was supposed to say this is that somebody was getting healed of sciatica does somebody have sciatic pain that they're dealing with right now any kind of sciatic pain I'll take those people that are online too, but I felt like there were some sciatic issues, sciatic nerve pain um, that somebody was dealing with that, that Jesus was was healing. Uh, so yeah, we just bless anybody that needs healing for that right now. Yeah, thank you, God. Whew. So we hope we see you guys at the candlelight service. If you can't make it, we, we totally understand. We'll have it online. It will be, if you want to come to it, it will be short. We're talking an hour, sing some songs, share the, the gospel, which is the Christmas story, take communion together, and then let you get to, to your families. If we don't see you, we hope that you guys have an amazing Christmas and that we'll see you back here soon. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.